0: Tony Campolo tells a story about a time when he was a kid, he and a friend decided to uh, break into a drugstore to do some mischief. But they didn't actually steal anything because they were good Christian boys, other than breaking in in the first place. And so what they decided to do instead was just switch all the price tags on all the items. <laughs> so that expensive items like radios would sell for 10 cents and paper clips would go for $50. They reversed all of the values. I think that's what Jesus does when he enters our lives. He switches all the price tags, changes all the values. Jesus says he comes to bring the kingdom of God into our lives, but that kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Where the things that we think are most important, we actually discover aren't all that critical. And the things that we think are trivial, we discover are actually vital to God. It's a kingdom where the person who serves is more important than the person who's in charge. It's a kingdom where our faithful failures are more significant than all of our successes put together. And it's a kingdom where in order to find our life, we have to lose it. Jesus switches all the price tags in our life. Now, I don't know about you, but the thing that I value the most in life is me. And that's what I think about most of the time. And I'm constantly asking questions like, am I happy? Am I secure? Am I comfortable? Does everybody like Scott today? Let's just ask that question, shall we? Let's just take a moment. But you know what? Uh, Thank you. (laughs) At least she does. That's good. For me, that becomes a real drag after a while. Because it just gets really boring thinking about yourself 24-7, 52. So Jesus frees us from self by giving us a whole different set of values. I want to read to you a story about how Jesus switched the price tags on a person named Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. It's in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any he belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he answered, here I am, Lord. Wonderful availability, right? What do you want? (laughs) The Lord said to him, go up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. That's an interesting verse, I think. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Here we've got Paul charging off to Damascus to go kill himself some Christians. And Jesus reverses everything, literally turns Paul upside down knocks him off of his horse, and switches all the price tags, changes all the values in Paul's life. For starters, it seems like one of the things that Paul valued most in his life was his plans. He knew exactly where he was going. But Jesus doesn't value so much that we know exactly where we're going as he values that we follow him one step at a time, even if we don't know where he's taking us. You know, you get you read this story and you get the sense that Paul had every step mapped out. First, he got the letters and then he was going to arrest the Christians and then he was going to go to Damascus. Then he was going to rustle up some Christians and he was going to put him in prison. He knew where he was going, what he was going to do when he got there and how long it would take him to arrive. He was the man with the plan. And that's what we value, isn't it? We value a leader, someone who knows exactly where he's going. But what's the first thing that happens to Paul when Jesus gets a hold of him? He's blinded, which is just a great metaphor for not knowing where you're going, not being able to see what's on the road, what's up ahead on the road, not being able to know what the next step is. You know, a lot of times we say, I wish I would hear God speak in an audible voice and tell me exactly what to do. Then everything would be crystal clear. Oh, really? Not so much. Sometimes when God gets a hold of us, things actually become a little bit more confusing. And then Jesus says, get up and go to the city, and then I'll show you what you're supposed to do. In other words, Paul, enough with your plans. Just follow me one step at a time. Now, if you're like me, you wouldn't like this. See, I like to know not only the next step, but the next ten steps after that. I want the whole game plan all at once. But God values that we follow him one step at a time. I spoke with several men this week who are struggling with career decisions. And in each of these conversations, at one point or another, each of these men said, well, I guess I know this much. I know what I'm supposed to do for the next couple of months. That's how God works. He gives us just the next step. And then he says, now follow me one step at a time. And he does that so that we have to hang on to him not our plans. We value knowing exactly where we're going. God values that we follow him one step at a time. The other price tag that gets switched in this story, and it's the one I want to focus on for the rest of the sermon, is that we, like Paul, I think value having big, important achievements that we can rack up, big successes. But God values small Unsung acts of faithfulness. The person who interests me most in this story is not the Apostle Paul. Most of us have heard of him. It's this guy that most people haven't heard of, named Ananias. He's he's just this unknown guy, right? And, 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 And Jesus says to him, Hey, Ananias, I've got this great idea. I want you to go to Saul and help him become a Christian. And Ananias says, Um, just FYI, Lord? This man kills Christians for a living. Are you sure you want me to go to him? Just just seeing if our communication is right, Lord. Are we on the same page? And Jesus says, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, pretty much that's it, go. (laughs) So Ananias goes and he puts his hands on Paul's shoulder and he says to him, Brother Saul. And then Ananias disappears. We never read about him in the Bible again. Now, Paul goes on to be the most important person in all of history, except for Jesus. I mean, Paul formulated the church's theology. He spread Christianity to the Roman world, which led to the discovery of the individual, the fall of Rome, the rise of Europe, the Industrial Revolution, democracy, and reality TV. I mean, where would we be without the Apostle Paul? Right? We'd be lost. Right? No survivor. What would we do? Paul is very important. And we all sort of want to be like Paul, right? Big, important, successful, my, aren't I a significant human being, kind of a person. But are we willing to be like Ananias? Paul may be the most important person in history, but he got there because an unknown man went to a street called Straight and laid his hands on a murderer and called him brother. So much depends upon that hand on that shoulder. The fate of Christianity, the history of the world. So much depends on one small act of faithfulness from a man that most of us have never heard of. You see, great doors swing on small hinges and even our smallest acts of faithfulness can unleash the power of God. There's a true story I like a lot about a young preacher and it was a night, the night before his, one of his first big preaching events and he was feeling nervous and some self-doubt and some anxiety. And in a local congregation, there was an older woman there who had dedicated her whole life to helping college students and young pastors. And she heard about this young pastor's dilemma, and so she got a group of people together to pray for him. And he felt greatly encouraged and he could go on and do that big preaching event. Now, most of you probably have never heard of the woman, that older woman who did that. Her name was Henrietta Mears. And she was a college pastor in Los Angeles in the 50s. Some of you maybe have heard of her, but not a household name. But all of us have heard of the preacher she helped that night. His name was Billy Graham. And it was early in his career, right before one of his first big revivals. We all value the accomplishments of a Billy Graham. But do we equally value the accomplishments of someone like Henrietta Mears, who most of us have never heard of? Great doors swing on small hinges. You know, in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Martin Luther King Day. We're going to have a celebration right here. You're all invited. And Martin Luther King was a great man, to be sure. But he swung on a small hinge named Rosa Parks. You see, Rosa Parks had to sit down in order for Martin Luther King to stand up. And the question that I think this story asks us is, are we willing to be small hinges? Do you believe that simply by praying for someone or some ministry in this church that you can have a huge impact, make a huge difference? There's a group that meets in my office every Monday evening at 7.30pm just to pray. You're all invited. I'm there a lot of the time. Do you believe that if you join that group and just pray that you could have a huge effect? I remember after two years of struggling to do college ministry in California, I finally got a group of people together just to pray for that ministry. And that year, the ministry tripled in size. That group was completely unseen, but they had a huge effect. Do you believe that by some simple act of faithfulness, teaching Sunday school or talking to a friend or a neighbor about Jesus, tutoring at Kidreach, helping out at Stevenson Elementary, we're going to show you how to do that next week. Do you believe those small acts of service can have a huge effect? If you stop by our Get Connected booth after the service, you can find all kinds of ways that you could do one small thing and maybe have a huge impact. And this is what we, how we want to celebrate our 50th anniversary as a church. This is what we want to do with our Jubilee year. We want to celebrate by, by engaging in an ongoing movement where we turn outward to the community and do acts of service that show our community the real Jesus. That show them Jesus, not not acts of service that draw attention to us, right? Now, look at us. We are first Presbyterian church of Bellevue. Aren't we spiffy? I mean, after all, if you're going to go to a Presbyterian church, wouldn't you want to go to the first one? (laughs) Right? No, that's not what we want to do, draw attention to ourselves. We want to draw attention to Jesus. Do acts of service that show our community who Jesus really is. And i got to say, you know, this church has been doing it forever, and boy, you guys did this in a big way in December, just, just last month. You guys did it in a huge way. You know, the children's ministry donated reading rugs and 500 books to Stevenson Elementary. We asked for help getting a car fixed for, for some people who needed it, and we had some people in this church start a whole new ministry that's going to fix cars for people in need. Proceeds for the alternative gift market were up 80%. You all gave over $100,000 to buy everything from books to goats for people all over the world to help them out. In fact, one great story, one of our students, 14 years old, her name's Mia Coolidge. She collected money from her classmates, and they bought goats and rabbits for people in Rwanda, and they gave that as a Christmas gift to their teacher. What a great role model for all of us, right? And that's, that's on top of all the other stuff that's going on in this church. Kid reach, Sunday school, all the rest. Now, a lot of those things don't take up much time. And most of them aren't in the limelight. But these small acts of service can have a huge effect. And they get us out of ourselves and help us see Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there is nothing so liberating for me as getting out of the prison of myself. I have a friend who for her whole life wanted to do something big for God. She wanted to make a big impact for God. But because of financial pressures and disappointments in her career, she ended up working as a counselor, a job she hated. She thought it was a dead-end job. She couldn't see where it was leading her. It didn't fit in with her plan. She couldn't figure out where she was going with it. But somehow deep inside, she believed that somehow God could use her just where she was at every day, and so every day she followed him one step at a time, even though she didn't know where it was headed. Well, one day she was counseling a man who had been physically abused by his boss. And he was having all these fantasies of revenge, violent fantasies of getting back at this guy violently. And he was also starting to get a little bit suicidal. And she kept trying to help him, but she, everything she said didn't work. and so She was getting frustrated because she couldn't figure out what to say to help him. And in the middle of this session, she just got this strange impulse. And suddenly she just raised her hand. She didn't know why she did. She just raised her hand. And she said, I've got five things I want to say to you. Which shocked her because actually she had nothing to say to him. (laughs) I've got five things I want to say. I don't want you to hurt him. And she thought, okay, one down, four to go, not bad. She just repeated it. I don't want you to hurt him. 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 And somehow that calmed him down. And as time went on, it turned out he never did do anything violent to himself or to anybody else. Well, about a year later, my friend was talking to this man. And just as an aside, he said, oh, by the way, do you remember that day you did the count? That's what he calls it, the count. And she said, yeah, I remember feeling a little bit foolish. And he said, that was the most important day of my whole life. Prior to that, I had no idea that anybody cared about me, what I did to myself or anybody else. But after that, I realized that you cared. And that changed everything. There are some switched price tags in that story. My friend got stuck in a job that she hated. It didn't fit her plans. She didn't know where she was going with it. But because she followed God one step at a time, And because she looked for ways to serve God right where he had placed her, he used it in a huge way. And nobody was there to applaud her for it. And it wasn't the kind of big thing that she had always hoped to do with her life. She even forgot about it. But this man didn't forget, and God didn't forget. And when she raised her hand and started to talk, she didn't have any words of wisdom. She had no strength of her own. All she had was a raised hand and a blank mind. But God used even that. And maybe the biggest value reversal of all was a guy who thought he was worthless, suddenly felt like he was valuable. Switched price tags. So as we head into a new year, what are some of the values that God might want to reverse in your life? What are some of the things that he would like to put on top and some of the things that he might want to put on the bottom? And we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks, how God might want to do that. Where are areas in your life that God may be asking you to step out in faith and to serve him in your job, in your neighborhood, in your school, right where he's placed you? And how can you follow him day by day, one step at a time, even if you don't know where that's headed? And what small act of faithfulness might God be calling you to do so that you can be a small hinge upon which some great act of his mercy is going to swing? Those are the things God wants us to value more than anything else, more than our comfort, our security, our happiness. God wants us to live life with all the price tags switched. Because when we do, we get out of ourselves, all of the pressure we put on ourselves to do and to be something we think we're supposed to do and be. And we step into the kingdom of God, and that's always liberating. And we see who Jesus is. Jesus, who after all is the biggest switched price tag there ever was, right? I mean, he had no money. He had no special skills. His birth was suspect. He died a criminal's death, and and yet he saved the world. Talk about a hinge. And he, the Son of God, the, the most valuable person in the entire universe, allowed himself to be treated as valueless so that we, who have no value of our own, could be considered priceless in the eyes of God. That is a switched price tag. And that is the great reversal of values that lies at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul saw on the road to Damascus. And when he did, he was never the same again. And neither was the world and neither will we be if we let Jesus turn us upside down. Lord, that's what we want you to do. We want you to turn us upside down, all of our values, Lord. We ask that you would invert them. Lord, help us to care about what you care about. Lord, help us to love what you love and reject what you reject, And go where you call us, one step at a time, Lord. And show us those small acts of faithfulness that you would like us to do so that your mercy can be known here and all the way around the world. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.